All right, good morning, everyone. I want to invite you to open your Bibles and turn with me this morning to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. I was hoping to finish this chapter today, but we'll, uh, we'll read the verses. I won't quite get through them all. Um, we'll be covering verses 21 through 25. But just for context, let's um, start back in verse 19 this morning. So 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. All right, this is the reading of God's living and infallible word. Peter writes, for this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And by his wounds, you have been healed for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Um, one of my greatest um, privileges and early joys uh, was the nearly two years that we spent together going verse by verse through the Gospel of John. And uh, what I found to be so um, incredibly helpful during my time of, of preparation each week was the way the Spirit of God worked through John the Apostle as he provided all of these different um, images and facets of Jesus' life. Um, for example, there were the seven great I am passages in John, right? Jesus would say, I am the, the bread of life. I am the, the door, I am the good shepherd, and so on. And, and each of these seven um, different descriptions gave us um, an image um, into the person and the work of Christ. Now, each one of those images were true, and all of them were incredibly instructive um, for us. But there is one image of Christ that really supersedes all others in both significance and in purpose. And Paul summed it up this way when he said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And Paul said that because it is at the cross where the central theme in, in the gospel is most clearly pictured in Christ. Nowhere else do we see the suffering servant as clearly as on the cross. Nowhere do we see his deity so clearly 
as on the cross. Nowhere else do we see his humanity so clearly as on the cross. Nowhere else do we see his work being accomplished as on the cross. Nowhere do we see his mercy and grace so clearly as on the cross. And so here in our verses this morning, Peter brings us to the foot of the cross and he reveals three aspects of Christ's suffering for us. We're going to see number one, which is all we're going to cover today, uh, the believer's perfect standard or the believer's perfect example of suffering found in Christ. We're going to find the believer's perfect substitute in suffering and also the believer's perfect shepherd through suffering. And all those are images of Christ. But let's just begin with number one today as he is our perfect standard. He, he is the, the perfect example, our standard of how it is that we ought to suffer. So let's begin and look again at verse 21. And he says, for to this you have been called. And let's just stop there for a moment as we need to answer the question, what is the this that we have been called to? It says, for to this you have been called. And the answer is found, if you were with us last week, in the middle of verse 20. When you do good and suffer for it, you patiently endure it. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. So he's talking about suffering here. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So, beloved, this is part of our calling. Because Christ suffered for you, you now have the privilege to suffer for him. Remember what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 16, 24 through 25, he said, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And what do we see in the book of Acts as the apostles are sent out on the Great Commission. The apostles are following in Jesus' steps, patiently enduring suffering to the praise and glory of God. Listen to just one example of this that we see in the book of Acts, chapter 5, 40 through 42. This is an amazing section of Scripture. It says essentially that the religious authorities had called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them to stop speaking in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Now, notice the apostles' response. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and preaching the good news that Jesus is the Christ. So what did Jesus' own disciples do after having been beaten 
and fogged unjustly, it says they rejoice. They rejoice. And why, you ask? Because they had been counted worthy to suffer for the name. See, we're always running away from suffering, aren't we? We want nothing to do with suffering. But the reason I got so derailed this week is I'm pretty sure in Scripture, the Lord seems to think, and obviously the apostles did as well, that there's something in it for us. There's something in that suffering that is a blessing for us. Not that we are looking to suffer. <laughs> I don't think that's on anyone's prayer list. But that, but that when you do suffer, that you suffer in a way that is faithful and pleasing to God. Remember what Peter said back in, in verse 20. But if when you do good and suffer for it, and you patiently endure it, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. So there's a grace, a gift that is linked to the patient, enduring, and suffering. In fact, uh, verse 21 says, you have been called for this purpose. You have been called to suffer. Now, we shouldn't really be surprised by this. We spent time in, in the Gospel of John last week, John 15, where Jesus said, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. So whether you realize it or not, we are all in a spiritual battle. A spiritual battle. And when Jesus says um, the world hates you, he's talking about the worldly system that is controlled by Satan and his demons. Now obviously there are times when um, it is more hostile than other times and more hostile in certain places than in other places. But make no mistake about it, beloved, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So the world hates those who represent Christ. And so Peter says, by very virtue of your salvation, you will suffer. You represent Christ, you will suffer, and more than that, this is your calling. As long as you're living in this world, the path to glory is the path of suffering. And that pleases God. But why is that a pleasing thing to God? The answer, one of the answers is in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. If you're still in 1 Peter, you can turn there. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. He writes, and after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And so in other words, he's saying that your suffering is part of this spiritual process of perfecting, confirming, strengthening, and establishing you. And not just for here. But I believe it is part of God's eternal plan for you into glory. And we're going to get into some of those details as we go through this. And this is a really thrilling truth. 
But the point now is simply this, that God has a purpose in your suffering. Write it down. God has a purpose in your suffering. Now, um, this, of course, isn't foreign to us. Um, I've looked at this several times from this pulpit with you, but just to bring up the last time that we talked about it, turn back to 1 Peter chapter 1 in verses 6 and 7. And um, let me just show you one of the benefits of suffering we looked at just a couple months ago. We certainly could look at a, a number of them, but let's just look at um, this one for now. He, he says in verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice. What, what are we uh, greatly rejoicing about? You've been born again to a living hope. All right? Even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. But, but why, we ask, why must we go through these trials? Verse 7, so that the proof of your faith, the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in, now notice the, the result of the testing, praise and glory and honor. When? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now listen, the implication is this. Let's say last week, boy, it was a challenging week for you. <laughs> I'll put my I'm name in the hat. Challenging week last week. You were distressed with various trials and testings. And man, every time you turn around, ow, I'm being refined by fire. But God has allowed these trials and testings. He's allowed these testings to come. But why? Why Why would he allow this, you ask? Well, because you're a daughter of the king. You're a son of the king. Because your children have been watching you all day. Because Satan has been watching you. And guess who else? God. Because God's been with you. And though you have suffered, and though you have tested, you've remained patient, and you've remained faithful, and not by your own strength, but Christ who strengthens me. And what did 1 Peter 2.20 say? That when you do good, and you suffer for it, patiently enduring it, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. And guess what else? Every time you experience these testings, you experience these trials, it validates your faith. It strengthens your witness for Christ. It flies in the face of the accuser. And it will result in 1 Peter 1, 7, greater praise, greater glory, and greater Honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Think about it. The way you suffer in this life here is directly related to your eternal capacity to glorify God. This is what you've been called for. 
know it's been uh, a long couple of weeks because I just I've uh, been getting all teared up 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 here. <clears throat> um, the other morning, I don't know if I'm going to be able to tell the story. <clears throat> I try to stick to the notes for this reason. Um, uh, was with mom and. Um, early in the morning and uh <clears throat> and I was telling her the revelation the spirit of God had given me on this verse and mom was pretty excited about it I'm sure mom's already forgotten about it right <clears throat> I'll tell I'm, I'm telling you again the only reason I'm telling it Uh, <clears throat> and uh, I said, you know, one of the things that's always challenged me when I look at the scriptures <clears throat> is I see that we receive uh, gifts and that there are these blessings that certainly that we will be repaid in heaven. But I don't see, um, you know, uh, some people with the bigger mansion or or some people with nicer cars up there, or, or five levels of heaven, and, and you didn't do enough for the kingdom, so you're on the bottom level, and here I am, I'm on the top level, and think, why, it's so awesome up here, too bad you're down here. I don't see that in scripture. But there is, there is very clearly crowns and gifts and, and blessings that Christ will repay and as I was reading these verses, I think I finally found um, one of the answered one of the big questions that I was looking for. It's got nothing to do with with what we get. It's got nothing to do with uh, the place that you're going to be staying in heaven, or 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 something you're going to receive in heaven. But it's got everything to do with your capacity to honor and worship and give praise to God. That's going to be the blessing. And I told my mother, she said, um, with a big smile when we were talking about it, she said, so, um, I'm going to be walking in heaven. And I says, uh, that's right. I said, <clears throat> I said, I'm pretty sure from what I've read today, um, you're going to be doing more than walking. You're like going to be doing these backflips <laughs> during worship. And the rest of us are going to be praising God. We're not losing anything. We are going to be so filled with, with glory and the presence of Christ. I mean, we are just going to be blown away. And, and there's going to be no part of us that says, oh, too bad I didn't have this or too bad I... I I didn't receive this, or, or where is so-and-so? No sadness, no tears, no sorrows. None of that will be in heaven. That's all a part of your fallenness. But there's going to be this ability and capacity to worship the, the Lord. And his people are going to worship him a lot. And there are going to be those 
who are so filled with the capacity to worship that there's going to be this inner joy that's another tick. And so the only way I could kind of explain that to my mother was, was that she was going to be doing backflips while I'm sitting there just going, oh, isn't this so awesome? Praise the Lord, the heavens, this is incredible. And she is just going to just be dancing away. And, and um, this is what we've been called for. True worshipers. And a part of our journey to become true worshipers is this road of suffering. Why? Because Christ suffered for you. Let me show you a couple more verses. Um, this is going to be a, a two-part message because uh, I just thought this was such a valuable lesson. Uh, a lesson. I don't want to skim over it. So let me let me show you this through several verses because they just really start popping out once uh, once I saw this. Um, turn to Second Corinthians chapter four. For a moment. Second Corinthians chapter four. I want you to see these and mark them down. Or Paul comes up with the same idea as Peter. In Second Corinthians four, seventeen through eighteen. In verse sixteen, Paul is talking about that we don't lose heart in this inner self. But verse seventeen he starts talking about for momentary light affliction. You know, that's saying it in Paul's translation, but we know that Paul was afflicted. Paul suffered for Christ. And he says, that momentary light affliction, he says, is producing for us, listen to this, an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Do you see that? This is a very important blessing. Not only is, is, is suffering in this life teaching you to be more mature and complete, not lacking anything, James 1, 2 through 4, but that, that's for here. So not only does it have that effect on you here, but it's producing for us, verse 17, and this eternal weight of glory that is beyond all comparison. I don't know what that is, but I want to soak in some of that. So while we're going through the, these trials, he says in verse 18, we look not at the things which are seen. In other words, we're not getting stuck on these earthly trials. But rather... We look at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. We just saw in that verse in the song, Don, all that's passing away. That's all temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So what's the principle? As we're going through these momentary afflictions on earth, Focus on its eternal impact that God is producing in you an eternal weight of glory that is far beyond all comparison. 2 Timothy 2.12 says a very simple statement. If we endure, we will also reign with him. 
The point is simply this, beloved, the greater the endurance through suffering in this life, the greater the eternal reward. And I'm convinced that our eternal rewards are primarily the capacity to worship and glorify God. It's not going to be how big your mansion is. And I don't, like I said, I don't see a bunch of different levels and floors in, in our heavenly experience in the Bible. But I do see right here our afflictions producing for us an eternal weight of glory that is far beyond all comparison. And that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to share one more illustration um, with you. Would you turn to Matthew chapter 20, verse 21? Matthew 20, verse 21. Here in Matthew 20, you have the, the sons of uh, Zebedee, James and um, John, and um, their mother, and, and they come to see, see Jesus. And their mother bows before the Lord, and she makes a request. And Jesus says to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, Lord, command that in, in your kingdom, these two sons of mine may sit one on your right and one on your left. Now, what's she saying? Well, I think, first of all, she's, she recognizes a couple of things. She's at least assuming here that there's some kind of hierarchy within the kingdom of God. And what's interesting is Jesus doesn't correct that part of what she said. And as far as how do we understand that biblically, I think we can see it defined in Scripture by the greater and lesser rewards that we see explained. Not different levels in heaven, but something which may affect our own experience within the kingdom of God. And I think it's our capacity to praise, honor, and give glory to God. It's not for us. It's all for him. Jesus says in Revelation 22, 12, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. And we, of course, see all throughout Scripture different crowns that will uh, be rewarded. Those who are steadfast um, under trial, James 1, verse 12, he'll receive the crown of life. But all those crowns, the Bible says, that we will cast at Jesus' feet, there will be the casting of crowns. But notice Jesus' response in verse 22. This is so interesting. He answered her saying, you do not know what you're asking. Now, what's he, what's he mean by that? When you ask for prominence in the kingdom, you don't know what you're asking. Verse 22, are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? What cup is he referring to? Cup of suffering. Remember on the night before he was crucified, he's in the garden. Uh, he's praying to the Father. He says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup, what? Pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as your will be done. But what's he talking about? Suffering. His suffering. Sometimes referred to the cup of 
suffering. And so he's saying to the mother of James and John and to, to the two boys, you want to be on my right hand, you want to be on my left hand. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? What's the implication? I think that that elevation in the kingdom is, is related to what? Suffering. Suffering. Let me ask you this. Who suffered the most? Christ. Who is the most elevated in the kingdom? Christ. Direct correlation. And so what Jesus is saying is, if you want to sit on my right hand, and you want to sit on my left hand, you must understand that the path to that is suffering, and, and the higher elevation, the greater is suffering. And they said, we are able. Oh, I would never say <laughs> Lord, we are able. So he said to them, my cup you shall drink. But to sit on my right, and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those whom has been prepared by my Father. In what premise does the Father prepare to give out to those high-ranking positions on the premise of suffering? Beloved, we, we praise God all of the time for the uh, immense blessings that we share in here in these United States and the incredible freedoms that we experience in this country. And, and we thank God that um, we don't have to suffer as others around the world um, clearly have to suffer. And we should be thankful and we should be incredibly blessed. It's nice for now, right? Well, what about eternity? Let's not sell ourselves short for our only brief time here. Suffering plays a very important role in the believer's life, not only here, but especially in our capacity to praise and glorify Christ. Now let's go back to 1 Peter 2.21. He says, you have been called for this purpose. You have been called for this since Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. We have been called to suffer, but why? Because suffering is the path to glory. Listen to the words of Jesus in Luke 24, verse 25. Jesus is on the road to Emmaus talking to his disciples, and he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Why were they foolish? Verse 26, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? So Christ had to suffer to enter his glory. We should expect to suffer to enter into our glory. And the greater the suffering, the greater the glory. That's the principle that we see. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 says, For it was fitting for him, this is Christ, for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory. Now listen to this. To perfect the author of their salvation through what? Sufferings. 
That's incredible. Who was perfected through sufferings? Who was perfected through sufferings? Jesus. Christ was perfected through sufferings. And you see, that's what Peter says back in 1 Peter 2, verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered. If the path to glory for Christ was through suffering, the path to glory for you and I is through suffering. The greater the suffering, the greater a loving God will give the glory. Christ is our example. Hebrews 5, verse 8. These are some really interesting verses. It says of Christ, although he was a son, he learned obedience. From the things which he suffered, and having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal life. Just incredible. The son, in his humiliation, he learned obedience. He suffered, and having been made perfect, not that he wasn't, but this perfecting work, he became our source of eternal salvation. Now the path to glory for Christ was the path of unjust suffering. Follow that thought. Christ endured it perfectly and therefore he is our example. He endured suffering perfectly and therefore he is our example. And uh, what Peter's saying here is, is you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you what? This example. And Christ is our example. This is a great truth. He's our example of suffering into glory. He is the model of the one who suffered the most with the perfect patience and is therefore glorified at the highest level. Christ went down, 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 death on the cross. And then God raised him higher, 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 King of kings, Lord of lords. Now you say, did Christ die only as our example? No. Verse 24 says, he's not only our example, he is our substitute. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you were healed. And then in verse 25, he's more than just our example. He's, he's more than just our substitute. He is the shepherd who gathers his sheep and, and we're going to look at those next time as we gather together in a couple weeks. Dad's going to preach the next two weeks. But for this morning, I think that we've learned a great lesson. Um, if we understand that the path to glory is a path of, of suffering, the greater the suffering for righteousness' sake with endurance and patience, the greater the eternal capacity to glorify Christ. Paul said, I don't mind the momentary light affliction. 
They, they lopped Paul's head off. He didn't mind. Because I will receive an internal weight of glory beyond all comparison. <laughs> I hope that you won't trade a momentary light affliction here for an eternal privilege that results in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You don't have to seek out suffering. It'll come to you. Just be faithful through it, entrusting yourself to God, and when God allows it, when the suffering comes, God will be gracious. God will be gracious, and if you endure it with patience, you will not only be maturing and being perfected for here in the work that he's established you for, but gaining a greater capacity for glory in the life to come. And the next time we're going to look at Christ, we're going to see exactly how he modeled the endurance in the midst of suffering, how someone as, as high as Christ could be brought down so low and humiliated so, so much. And he endured faithfully and trusting himself to God and how he became our perfect substitute and our loving shepherd. If uh, you are in need of prayers this morning, we'll have brothers and sisters down front here who would be happy to pray with you. And at this time, I want to invite our worship team to come forward and lead us in a song of praise. Thank you.